0: Hello, and welcome to In Excellent Company, a Xenix podcast. Sit back and get ready to listen as Casey Cunningham, founder and CEO of Xenix, connects with Bob Jordan, author of Right Leader, Right Time, and founder
1: of Interim Exec's Red Team. In this episode, Casey and Bob discuss the four leadership styles he discovered through his team's research.
0: Get ready to take good notes. You're In Excellent Company today. Robert red flash Jordan Casey Cunningham I, I'm cracking up that you've given yourself a call sign that you're I red did. flash so anybody listening in if you hear me say red flash that is because I'm referring to Bob Jordan, also known as Robert Jordan but uh, how did you get red
1: flash so you're <clears throat> as we were saying before Casey, this is the first time in my life i've I've actually broadcast this this is this is my first because my dad when i was growing up i i had the most vivid red hair you can imagine at the moment it's not quite showing for anybody that can see the video but my dad would would uh, come into my bedroom when i was when i was little to wake me up and he would say it's the red flash and so when the internet came around and domain names of course i had to own redflash.com and we don't really use it the primary domains for business and I share an Instagram account with my wonder dog. But red flash, I, I I had to use this with you, Blade.
0: So this is like a coming out party. Nobody knew about the red flash. And you're right, right. Anyone who's listening to the podcast can't see your hair. But if they're watching on video, it is white slash gray. So I would have never known that that was hair related.
1: It was hair related. And I would prefer you think of it as pink. I don't think redheads, they never go gray because they never had the black to whatever. (laughs) But, you know, of course, this begs the question, Casey, why blade?
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, mine's easy answer. Um, I won't give you the real story. No, I'll give you as much as I'm allowed to tell. Uh, My husband's ex-military, and I was at dinner one time with our best man of our wedding, uh, who's our very closest friends, obviously, and um, because my husband's ex-military, he has a call sign. His his buddy, who's best man on our wedding, had a call sign. They decided to give me one, and well, the next thing you know, everyone in my company has a call sign now. Uh, and they shared with me then: there's three rules to a call sign. Okay, uh, number one, it must be short. Number two, it must apply to you. Now, in the military, number three is you must hate it. But in my company, number three is it's got to be cool. So I just happened to get one that is short. It applies. And I think it's pretty cool. But I'm blade because I cut to the chase. I get to the point. And depending on who you talk to, I might cut you if you bother me. You no, know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All
1: right. So this means your husband was um, Air Force or flyer?
0: He was Air Force. He flew KC-135s, jet refuelers, um, Learjets. Uh, he was an instructor pilot. Um, he's my hero. He's amazing.
1: And but, what, of course, I have to know this. What's his call sign?
0: Well, the military one is different than the one inside Zenix. Inside Xenix, he is stealth. For obvious reasons, you don't know where he is right now, nor do I. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: huh. Got it. And what was his military call sign?
0: Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but I'll tell you privately, it was Bart because his hair was so high up and it was a flat top. He looked like Bart Simpson.
1: (laughs) Got it. And is it, do I have this right in military that like everyone is unique? Like if there really is a Maverick, that there's only one Maverick call sign?
0: That's a good question. I don't know if you're allowed to repeat them. We don't repeat them in our company. If you um, worked Zenix and you had a call sign, we retire it. Okay. You're now,
1: Steve, so you're now causing me to completely re- reorganize my internal team. Actually, no, I'm going to reorganize the external team as well. What you've just done for me as a gift is that is, this is now going to impact hundreds and hundreds of executives. Seriously. Oh. I am now, because of you, going to get each one of them a call sign. I'm not sure that that rule of you have to hate it. Um, I think it's going to have to be more something they own because they like it. Cool.
0: It's got to be cool. It's got to be cool. Yeah. By the way, one-syllable call signs are the best, in my yeah. opinion. But I have yeah. titanium. I have uh, point. I've yeah. had eagle. I got them all. So everybody on the team yeah. gets. And I
1: call. look. I I am sorry. I know it's not one syllable, but I have to own red flash, even though it's not even the brand name.
0: Well, it is one word. I like. It's
1: thing. one word. It's yeah, one word. So that makes yeah.
0: a difference, right? You don't really want two yeah. words in call sign if you can help it. So. Yeah. I have so much fun with our team and uh, we use our call signs in our email. So if you ever want to email me, you can just do blade at and it'll get right to me. Uh, it's everywhere. So we have it on shirts. We have it. Everywhere. So we have a lot of fun with it because here's the reality is, and I know you can appreciate this as a leader and you've written books about this. Uh, we want to have fun along the way when you're having fun. It seems to be a little bit more engaging and interesting. And I certainly don't want to be bored in my life, nor I want anybody around me to be bored. So there you go. So,
1: by the way, part of our conversation is we're as we keep veering from topic to topic is Casey 135's. I know we're going to talk about the book, um, Right Leader, Right Time. And one of the interviews was we had, um, you know, we have these different leadership styles. We interviewed the former undersecretary of the Navy in the Department of Defense, and she was. Her her upbringing was she was trained as a KC 135 ah. um, pilot in the Air Force, Dr. Janine Davidson. Okay. Yeah. So you got to run that by Bart.
0: Yes. I will ask him. And interestingly enough, like he marries KC, me, right? And he's nice. KC 135. So yeah, I told him it was meant to be. So.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: He's a good man. He's a good man. I am so curious about your book. Like, right leader right time what what was the prompting to get you to want to write that i love the story behind the book
1: it's a great question we were prompted by something bad and something good mm. the the bad thing is that so we we run a company called interim execs and okay. we're this matchmaker around the world our organizations call up because they have a leadership need and over the course of many years, we started this about 15, 16 years ago. Well, thousands of executives showed up on our proverbial doorstep. Over the past decade, it's about 7,000 executives. We were tracking from 50 countries. Well, if you have that kind of thing turning into a business, it, you develop process and system. And so we started ranking and scoring and screening. Sure. The vast majority of the executives showing up were having... Okay careers and leadership journeys that we would have described as okay, but not great. Mm. And that was disturbing. The flip side was if you just looked at the top 2%, 3%, oh my gosh, these are phenomenal executives having exceptional careers and leadership journeys. Among the group that was not performing so well, there was this common denominator that we could sum up as trying to be all things to all people always a failing strategy Mm
0: -hmm.
1: flip side among the top couple percent of execs exceptional executives we saw four distinct leadership styles which we labeled fixer artist builder and strategist we had to write about that in particular because we have a mission that if we could talk to people earlier on in their careers and leadership journeys there are things we wanted to point out from all of these examples that were both cautionary what to avoid as well as success and what to move towards even if it's hard to do.
0: So are these natural tra- so that was the story behind the book you realize you have fixer artists builders and strategists. Are you, as a leader, are you naturally suited into one of those four? Is that what you get discovered in the book or what you share?
1: Well, 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 Casey, it depends. Hmm. If, if, for example, we believe that fixer mode, you grow into it through your career. Artist mode is more of what we would call compelled. Artist is a little more hardwired. So for example... Artist mode is the kind of energy where you see the world as a blank canvas or a piece of clay. Mm. Standout example in the world today is Elon Musk. And I mean specifically Tesla, SpaceX, and the boring company. He's also a cautionary example because as you and I are recording this, he still owns Twitter. And he's not crushing it with Twitter. It it is not his natural mode. He He is at his best solving problems in physics and engineering. How do you make better electric vehicle, a longer lasting battery? How do we get humanity to Mars?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. He's, I believe, uh, incredibly inspiring. That kind of energy is on a team, the renegade, the outsider, the person who is not agreeable, but they can't stop generating ideas. And it's kind of how they're wired. I'll contrast that with Fixer. Fixer is the energy that loves turning around companies, organizations, terrible client relationships. And what we discovered with a lot of fixer leaders is that earlier in their careers, they were kind of more undifferentiated. They were in a role and everyone thought they were smart. And somebody said, you know, we're having this problem over in another country, or a problem with a different division, or a problem with some set of clients and they would say, Blade's smart, let's throw her into it and see what happens. No one else could solve this problem. Mm -hmm. And so you go in and it takes you six months, it takes you two years, but you crush it. And the thing is with a fixer is now you're hooked. And the next assignment project company must be running back into a burning building. You can't go back to steady state. So we're not trying to pigeonhole any leader and saying you're only one of these things. All successful leaders have to solve problems. All successful leaders have to be creative. What we are saying is, is, that, is that exceptional leaders tend to have a dominant or a dominant style plus a secondary and that that is what helps fuel their success over time. More and more. Is
0: there a famous person that you would say is a fixer that I would know? Like uh, Elon was great as the artist example.
1: The example right now that that uh, everyone knows it, it's not necessarily by name is is again, as we're recording this, FTX went into bankruptcy right. two months ago the the one of the largest crypto um, currency exchanges in the world and the court immediately appointed a guy named John Ray. John Ray, not surprisingly had been at Enron before this he didn't cause the problems at Enron, but he was put in to. To clean up the mess. And clean up in the case of Enron or FTX does not mean returning to a former state. There is no former state to go back to. There, there are different forms of fixing that go on. Um, you know, if you're an FTX, there could be a million creditors of FTX. And if you are one of those, boy, you're rooting for John Ray to do the right thing.
0: <laughs> that is for sure. All right, so give me uh, a leader for builders. Tell me a a builder. Uh, What is a builder compared to the fixer and artist?
1: So builder is the energy. And I know everybody in any kind of business organization, for-profit, nonprofit, we're all builders. Mm -hmm. I got that. Builder, as we define it, though, is a very particular energy that can take the small team product service company up to a point of market domination or scale. Mm -hmm. And what you will tend to see with builder mentality is once they get it to scale, they're gonna move on. They, whether it is boredom or whatever, they're not going to stay. They're going to need the new team, the new product, the new company, client relationships to which they can again get to market domination. Builder has market domination on the brain. That is their mantra. All Um, right, So, anybody
0: I know in the market that you would call a builder? You well, gave me Elon Musk for artist, John Ray for fixer. Who's the builder?
1: Yeah, builders, builders by definition tend not to have as high profile. For example, as Elon Musk,er when we talk about strategists. But to give you examples, like when we did the book, one of the the leaders we profiled, um, he had been the CEO of a tech company called Media Temple, and he sold it to GoDaddy. A lot of people have heard of GoDaddy. And he was at GoDaddy helping them go public. And true to form, after they went public, he left to go do something, to go build a new company. And so that individual, his name is Russ Reeder, has done a dozen uh, different companies, projects, where he keeps on building businesses up.
0: So the builder and the strategist, what's the difference? Because they sound like they would be the same from a uh, descriptive standpoint.
1: Strategist is the leader at scale. Strategist is the person who is most comfortable in an organization that is very complex or um, large in size. Fixer, artist, and builder are energies. You tend to see these leaders in charge of 10 people, 5 people, 50, 100. But usually those energies, it's within what Stephen Covey called personal span of control. You know me and I know you. And because of our personal relationship, this is part of how we're going to come to trust and work together. Strategist, we could have called conductor, pilot, quarterback. That leader at scale generally does not know everyone who is within that organization. The language of strategist, it's around mentorship, loyalty, being mentored, being cross-trained, being within typically one organization for a long period of time that the language and the energy of strategist is not what you will hear typically from fixer artist and builder. So for example, uh, uh, you know we were talking a little earlier about Dr. Janine Davidson. She was the mm-hmm. undersecretary of the Navy and Department of Defense. She had trained as a Air Force um, pilot uh, and, and she would talk about what it is like to be in charge of the Department of Defense you know, and you're you're at a level of, as she said, systems of systems. You are trying to influence an organization in a way that is completely different from the energy of fixer, or artist, or builder.
0: So in writing the book, you now have an organization that helps place executives around the country.
1: Yes. Yeah. Do you
0: actually put them in the categories of fixer, artist, builder, or strategist?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not to, again, it's not to pigeonhole and to say, this is it, you're only a builder. But, but in terms of identifying their unique genius, it is one of the filters that we use um, to validate what we are saying, because this is not yet at the level of science. We are launching a leadership assessment tool. It's called FAB's Leadership Assessment. And the way we view it is, that fixer artist builder strategist is one overlay. It's not taking over from other really good, very valid measurement tools that people use in companies, which I think are are really great. We wanna add something to the language here to help teams perform better, collaborate better and for individuals to excel more. In general, what what I'd say Casey is the more you can embrace The authentic you in in terms of what your leadership style is, the further you're going to go, the better you're going to do.
0: So when you actually decided to uh, write the book, you had already built the organization. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Interim execs already existed. And we we have this concept within it called red team. And red team already existed. We already had hotshot executives around the world we were working with. We had great examples as prototypes, if you will, um, for, for how we were going to be writing the book. So the book was about a hundred or so interviews and now it's taking it into the world and, and um, offering this free assessment, but also learning from it um, what those traits are like. So for example, fixer is an energy that we would say is linear. And by linear, we mean most fixers tend to work on one company at a time. John Ray, the, the CEO now at FTX, you know, who's trying to salvage what he can, I can guarantee you he is not working at any other companies doing anything else other than 24 seven working on FTX. Contrast is for example, Elon Musk, standout artist, leader of the age, he has to work on Tesla, SpaceX, and the Boring Company at the same time. Artist is an energy that needs diffusion and distraction. What I just said is anecdotal, and we want to prove that out through validation by seeing how tens or hundreds of thousands of assessments are filled out for uh, fabs
0: well, I'm sitting there reflecting as you're describing it as to which one am I, and I'm imagining any leader listening into this podcast is trying to identify who are they and are they in the right role, and am I the right leader to get us to whatever that next level is or however you define it? So is there an attribute, now that you've studied leadership, you've been the privilege, it sounds like, to have gathered thousands of leaders to help potentially um, organizations all over the world, I'm guessing you um, get to next level. What, what are attributes do you think are common among the
1: four? Oh, that's a great question. There are three commonalities among, among exceptional leaders. The first is they tend to double down within their strength. And so um, you will see um, great fixer leaders um that need and understand they have to go into troubled organizations. And that if they were presented with something which is, oh, so cushy and simple, they would reject it. I mean, in general, we have a phrase we love, we used in the book, which is that exceptional leaders reject what is not for their highest and best use. Hmm. The second commonality is that uh, great leaders collaborate on steroids. That they're just, their ability to collaborate is far more than the talk you hear from most people, which is like, oh, I'm a great collaborator. Well, the reality is the majority of people on teams and leaders are not great collaborators. And the reason is because they don't have the confidence to really do it. If Mm. if you're not secure in your own set of abilities, how you are creative and additive to a team, you'll attempt to do too much because you're trying to cover, which is, well, I can do this, I can do that, I can do the other thing to make sure that somehow you're adding value. That's not what exceptional leaders do. Exceptional leaders say, these are my strengths and this is the place I'm going to apply myself or to these sets of circumstances and the rest of it I'm going to rely on far better collaboration with other people where they really will shine and they will outshine me in those things. That's superior collaboration. The third thing is exceptional leaders don't hide. And what we mean by not hiding, we, we have a favorite example. Uh, Wells Fargo, the bank uh, for years, had this program of uh, cross-selling. If you had a credit card, they wanted you to have a checking account, you know. You, right. you had a mortgage with them, they wanted, well, it turned out that they were actually falsely creating millions of accounts their customers had never asked for. And so eventually the CEO of Wells Fargo was hauled in front of Congress Mm. and he was directly confronted. They said on these earnings quarterly earnings calls for years, you talked about this primary way of increasing revenue by cross-selling and it turned out essentially to be a sham. What of it? And he said, it wasn't me, it was the board. Well, anybody who's had any inkling of business understands the board of directors and certainly the board at Wells Fargo was not figuring out the tactical plans, you know, within the sales department. And that kind of shirking um, is not an example of of exceptional leadership. And that individual was banned from banking for life after that.
0: Mm. Okay, so, um... Since I'm an entrepreneur, I have my own company, I'm listening intently going, am I doubling down? Am I collaborating? I do think I collaborate really well and I definitely don't hide. Um, I'm also imagining uh, that you're no different than me or any leader in this country, that there's always a learning. There's this moment where you're like, I thought leadership was X, but it's really Y. Can you fit share that story with me? Do you remember that moment? where you pivoted or you learned something greatly that influenced you as a leader today?
1: Oh, well, I hope, I, I just did a pivot today with, thanks to you, Casey, which is call sign. So I I wanna be a learning machine. Um, early on in my career, a lot of that learning was, you know, a whack upside the head. Um, it was not pretty, it was just painful. I. Had been in business school. I was at arguably the best business school in the world at the time at Northwestern. Got an idea um, to launch the first magazine that would cover online and internet, which I did. I dropped out and started it. And um, I was 26. And uh, within two years, the magazine, the company went bust. And if you think there's anything pleasant about being 28 years old, thinking you're a smart person, and walking into federal bankruptcy court, into the clerk's office, there's no staff left, there's no help left, but somebody said, you know, you have to walk in there with a list of your assets and liabilities. That was not a fun day for for whatever. But, you know, ultimately I took away a lot of great lessons. Um, I did end up buying the rights back out of bankruptcy court and relaunching and eventually, because it was the internet, me on the Inc. 500 list but you know if if I was diving into all of the ways Barry our mutual friend Barry has heard um, parts of the story many times in terms of what I learned as a result of uh, failing that early and miserably.
0: So you failed miserably but it sounds like you rebounded.
1: Oh there was a rebound. It, it, one of the first signs that maybe it wasn't all bad was that I started after that, so it was called Online Access, was the magazine, became very successful and grew really fast. And I started helping other company founders. And when some of them were facing existential crisis, as in the company was going to go bust, you could see on their faces this thousand yard stare, which is, oh my God, I can't, it can't happen to me. It was equivalent to dying. And I realized I got something out of already having died in business, which is no no no, you can survive this. You can. Mm. You can. This is not, it's not welcome. And I'm not saying to go do this. Um, but as somebody, you know, where I wanted to be vital and in business, I understood you have to be able to look at everything, all aspects. And if if you're afraid of this ultimate thing, well, you're you're kind of. You're handicapping yourself, and I didn't realize that. I didn't realize I had that perspective until I saw in other people the terror that they were feeling that they might fail.
0: So you didn't go into the business even considering failure was an option because you were. I'm going to say maybe a little not arrogant, but maybe a little confident, cocky, maybe. <laughs>
1: okay. Oh, I so was. I was completely an arrogant. Twenty-eight um, year old,
0: twenty-six year old kid. No, I
1: I was at 26. I was in business. I was doing the most embarrassing things. But one of the craziest um, stories I'm told by uh, someone who was close to me was that it was kind of tense. I was always running out of money before we went bust. And at one point, I from being sound asleep in bed, I leaped up onto the bed and I yelled out, it's a great magazine. And then I went right back to sleep. And I heard that later. And I thought, did I really do that? Was I that keyed up in the middle of my sleep that I did that? Oh,
0: wow. Okay, it's so a little
1: nuts. That's a little nuts.
0: So red flash. I didn't get to know you when you were red hair, but I'm saying, what did you learn? Like anybody listening in who might be a potentially going bankrupt, what could you have done differently or better? But what was the learning? Because you said there's a whole list. Can you just give me a few things that you learned?
1: Well, hindsight is twenty twenty.
0: Always, um, always, and that's why always, we don't uh,
1: do it again. I mean, the the most visible thing. Um, this is going to sound. This is going to sound um, snarky or whatever. Is don't run out of cash. Um, it, it sounds it sounds so stupid to say that, but you see, when you're twenty six years old and you have investor money and they're just patting you on the back and saying you're the greatest thing in the world. And if you have any trouble, just come on back. Well, I was too stupid at the time to realize just come on back had a price tag. They didn't mean they were just going to keep investing and keep their same equity. Um, I mean, that, that was the level of naivete I was playing with here at the time. I didn't understand that when I ran out of money, come on back, could be the most painful thing I'd experienced in my entire life up to that point.
0: All right, so number one, don't run out of cash. Yeah. What's number two?
1: Well, there's a lot of other things. For example, I think as early as people can in their career, they should form and be part of a mastermind group. Mm. Especially for entrepreneurs, when you are the founder and if you don't have a co-founder, it's very lonely. Your family is not the same, they can't understand. You have employees they can't understand because they're not taking the level of risk. And it's one of the driving reasons in my life that I and my business partner formed interim execs is because Mm. it's very lonely when you're in a leadership role, either as a founder, the CEO, on the board, or in a role like being an interim executive. You just feel like a force of one. And I so wished when I was doing it, that there was somebody in my corner and there was no one in my corner. They, mm-hmm. There were, I mean, I had so much family, but they're just not, they weren't in it with me. And well, I, I realized totally now, what's that?
0: I said, I totally get it. It's, it's can be lonely because you can't always speak to the employees about the positioning that you're right. in and the strategy, et cetera. Cause it's unfortunately, and, and I say, unfortunately fortunately and unfortunately they don't have the burden, right? And they don't understand the risk. Um, but yeah. right, so be a part of a mastermind. Love that advice. All right, one more. Don't run out of cash. Be a part of a mastermind. And this is by the way, anybody who's listening in, no matter what leadership, where are you getting fed?
1: Well, if you're if you're earlier on and you are starting the company or you're growing it, I want you to think very long and hard before you hire your friends. Mm. It's a big world out there, and there are a lot of recruiters. And if I was tooting our own horn, you know, the the whole field of interim fractional contract doesn't apply so great to startups because of limited cash. But the broad point in terms of outsourcing is there's so much available to all of us that is not needing to hire somebody full-time to have Mm -hmm. a great resource and long-term partner, if you will. Um, Be very careful before you hire your friends. Because you, you really need to think hard if it does not work. And that was one of the biggest mistakes. I hired one of my best friends to head up sales because he had a great personality. And, and that was that. And that was a move that while I survived the business busting and came back and have had a lot of success, success since then. I've been in three IPOs. I've been the lead guy in a number of, of sales of companies for huge multiples. The friendship never recovered.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm looking at uh, your list of questions again, reflecting as I always do when I get this privilege of talking to people that are uh, really accomplished as a leader in your world. So uh, we're running out of time, but I've got to know from you how do you develop as a leader?
1: I want to be a sponge. Um, I I want to hold myself accountable to goals that. In- Include my own growth Mm. one of the so I'm in a mastermind group as you can probably imagine and one of my promises that I have to fulfill every week to my mastermind group are these sessions of of trying to dive deep into learning something new no distraction with email no distraction with my phone Um, I'm a big fan of meditating I think that if you are in a leadership role One of the greatest things you can do to get to the center of you is to meditate. And meditate doesn't have to be a big word. If you simply go to a quiet place, close your eyes and notice your breathing, you're meditating. Okay. if you can string that together for three minutes, you will notice your heartbeat settling. You will notice your breathing getting longer. Uh, Anybody that has children, I have two daughters, ages 23 and 25. And I'll tell you, any problem, any challenge, any opportunity, you can make it better. If you can first start, just give yourself the gift of three to five minutes of just breathing.
0: Okay, so I have to ask to, to well, we got, can I have you come back? Because I'm dying to ask you some other questions. But
1: I'd love to keep talking with you, Casey.
0: What are you? Are you a fixer, an artist, a builder, or a strategist?
1: I am so strongly wired as an artist. And what we write in the book is it is at some point to the artist's peril. I can't stop thinking up new things Mm -hmm. and and this sparking I can do. And that's not the greatest ability, for example, for building companies. And so for example, my co-author Olivia Wagner and business partner is an outstanding builder. And I need that energy around me, which is just far more genius than I am in that way. So I'm very conscious of trying to be part of a team with other people who are shining so brightly at what they do, and and then I can do my thing too.
0: So uh, should every company have all four on the leadership team?
1: Big, huge yes.
0: So you said there's an assessment coming out that you're building that specifically will identify which ones you are?
1: It's out now. If 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 any of your listeners go to rightleader.com, they can see the tab assessment and they can take it at one, it, it's about three minutes and it will instantly give them a result. And I will tell you because we're in learning mode, when they get their result and then there's a PDF they can see with the descriptions of all four, there's gonna be a final question which says, did we get it right with you? So, you know, we're learning. We, we already have people taking it and getting feedback and, and uh, the more the merrier.
0: Okay, well, I'm gonna have my entire leadership team take it. So I will give you some feedback on that. But I gotta tell you, there's something that you said that I hope everybody walks away with um, that was that had a moment for me because I'm I'm a sponge. I love learning and I want to grow. And you you mentioned the word unique genius, but um specifically, I'm gonna go back to my notes, you use the words that you are a learning machine. And I think right. anybody, anybody that really wants to grow must be. Right. If you stay in your bubble, it's really hard to learn from yourself. You have to learn from the input and the masterminds of other people by collaborating and leaning in. And um, that's a question. I'm going to have to go out on social and ask everybody. Uh, you do the call signs with all the executive leaders. I'll go out and say, "Hey, I just spoke with this brilliant guy who said he's a learning machine. And when you're learning, you're growing." So what are you doing to help yourself grow?
1: And, I, and I'm giving you full credit, Blade, okay? Well,
0: you know, I'm, I'm going to go all
1: these execs, and I'm going to say, I got this from Casey, okay? And and everybody on the team now gets a call sign, and, and it's only one per customer. And it's like Michael Jordan, you know, I'm from Chicago, and Bulls, the number 23, was retired, you know, and all of that. And and that's it, so.
0: Yeah, I've got a bulldog on the team. I'm trying to think of my whole leadership <laughs> Uh, it, is, it is well. I just
1: point. love the way that your colleague signed point.
0: Yeah, point is as my assistant, yeah. right? So uh-huh. she's on point. She, by the way, <laughs> point guard. She's. Yeah. So it, it relates to. I've got um, bullseye. He shoots bows and, arrow, bow and arrows. Uh, <laughs> shoots. Uh, I think he shoots animals. Unfortunately, uh, let's see. Uh, anyway, I've got. It, it is fun. Uh, we also give our clients call signs when we get to know them, and they want them. They're like, I want one. I'm like, well, let me get to know you a little bit. And we'll give you some recommendations, but you're allowed to recommend some as well. But we voted Xenix no. full ceremony. You would love it, Red Flash. We do a full ceremony with the X. You we do an
1: X ceremony.
0: You do an X ceremony. <laughs> is, it is official. You have got the call sign. Oh, um,
1: that is awesome. That night. is awesome.
0: So have some fun with your executive leaders. Not yeah. to know you more, but congratulations on your book, your assessment. And I love, love, love the idea. And we can talk offline about the interim executive who's already got the vast experience I need him to have to not be learning it on my watch, but who have already learned it to bring the wisdom into my company. I just think there's brilliance in that. So congratulations on your business. Thank Um, you. And uh, I look forward to continuing this conversation.
1: You as well, Casey. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to join us again. And don't forget to check back for new episodes of In Excellent Company, a Zenix
0: podcast. You can download our episodes wherever you love to listen to your podcasts or on our website at zenix.com slash in excellent company. See you next time.